How are y'all doing? Good? I did. I did. You skipped last week, didn't you? I was here. You missed it. It's okay, it's okay though. Thank you for noticing now. It's okay. Um, hey, I'm really excited for tonight. Tonight we're talking about the gifts. We're into more application. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. First of all, gifts can be kind of controversial. There's two li- lists of gifts. There's one in Romans. There's one in Corinthians. Some people think certain gifts aren't around anymore. Uh, is there anybody who feels that way? Like some ga- get, uh, gifts have ceased? Anybody who feels that way? That's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Is there anybody who's like, yeah, the gifts are awesome. I practice them. Anybody who feels that way? Oh, so the rest of you, okay, there you are. There's two people with a gift. Oh, there you are. And so the rest of you, are you going, gifts? What? So are the rest of you going, what, what do you mean by the gifts? You raise your hand if that's, you're, you're just wondering. The rest are just undecided. Okay. Okay. Well, it's going to be good. There's only one that's kind of weird, but for the rest in the Romans are pretty practical. Um, just so you know, some of these gifts are also commands, like serving in here is one of the gifts. Um, and we're all supposed to be serving, but for some of you, it's like your jam. It's going to be your thing, and that's your, that's your gift. Um, my goal tonight is, number one, that you would know that there are gifts. Uh, number two, that you would seek and find out what your gift is. And number three, that you would begin to seek out how to use your gift. Um, again, kind of like last time, I'm going to preach a, ser- a shorter sermon. It's really not going to be preaching. It's more teaching time tonight. Um, and then in the end, you're going to be praying with people, uh, seeking God, seeking to understand what your gift is, and seeking for opportunities to use your gift. Okay. All right. So we're in Romans, Romans chapter 12. Go ahead and open up there if you're not there already. Um, let, me, let me read it. So verse 3 through 8. Verse 3 through 8. I hear some of y'all turn it. I'll wait just a minute. Okay, so chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exalts, excuse me, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Um, so I'm going to walk through these one at a time. Uh, I'm, going to try and be, I'm going to try and be fairly brief. Some of them will be a little bit longer than others. Um, before we go through them, um, I want to look at the two commands that are in. Anytime you're reading scripture, you need to always look at what's commanded. When Jesus speaks, when Paul speaks, what are they commanding? And there's two particular commands in this. The first one is in that first verse, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. For the, so the first thing we see as, as Paul approaches speaking about the gifts is you shouldn't think too highly of yourself because that is a problem. He writes more extensively if, in Corinthians and 1 Corinthians if you're really interested in the gifts because there's a problem there where people are lifting up certain gifts over others and they're 
feeling a little crazy over it. Um, and so here he doesn't address it as much, but the first thing he says is, hey, you need to have sober judgment. You think you're special because you have the gift of teaching. You're not. You think you're special because you have the gift of prophecy. You're not. You need to have sober judgment. Don't think so highly of yourself. Uh, first of all, because any gift you have, whatever it is, is from God. It's not yours. You didn't make it on your own anyways. Uh, it, is, it is his. They belong to him, and he gives them. Second of all, any time you get to use your gift, it's an opportunity created by God. Paul says that we have works that are prepared for us to walk in. So anytime you do use your gift, it's, it's something God has prepared. So there's no glory to be had whatsoever. Uh, and we need to take that in, in our minds whenever we, we pursue this. The second command is in verse six, verse 6. He says, let us use them. So the second thing you need to know is you need to use it. And my guess is most of us are not. Or you are and you just don't, you just don't know it. It's one of those two things for, every, for most people here, judging by your reaction to my questions earlier. You either don't know the gifts and you're using it, or you don't know it all and you're, you're not using it. Um, so, but we are supposed to. That is the command. There's no way around it. We are supposed to be using these gifts. Okay. All right, so now I'm going to go through the gifts one at a time, okay? And uh, just to confuse you a little more, I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to start with the last one. That way I end with prophecy because it's the one that's like kind of a doozy. Um, so we're going to start with the, first, the, the last one. Acts of mercy. That's the first one on here. Acts of mercy. Um, just so you know, this is probably not what you think it is. One of the issues with translations is colloquialisms, and both on our part and their part. You know, Paul says the word good, and it says good, and you and I have a different thing. We think of the word good, and we think of, like, something that's moral. And similar on their part, he says acts of mercy, and that's what it says. And we think, okay, acts of mercy, does that mean, like, forgiving someone? I mean, it doesn't. And in his world, in his, the way he's using this actually means to care for the poor and needy is what that means. And in probably, particularly in his mind, he has widows and orphans. James says, you know, true religion is to take care of widows and orphans. Jesus takes care of widows and orphans. Um, and so taking care of the poor and needy. And for some of y'all, that's your jam. For everyone in this room, it's a command. But for some of you, it's going to be a special part. It's going to be, you know, your life is actually going to center around serving people uh, who are in deep need. Um, sorry, there's no clip on this. It's bugging me. Um, so, yeah, your gift is going to be serving the poor and needy. Um, let, me, let me show you a story. So I, um, I was... I went uh, to San Francisco year, several years ago to work there. Um, I worked with a project called Adopt a Building where we were going to different buildings and ministering to people. And like the first job I ever got there <coughs> was to go meet with this guy named Dave Krapinski. Um, everyone in the Tenderloin is super poor. Um, and many people are addicts. And so I meet Dave and I'm supposed to go pick up like some medicine for him or something. So I meet him and he is like this old feeble man with a long gray beard. He looks like he's 80 years old. He looks like a Vietnam vet, um, but he's not. He's like 55, and he's just like decrepit. He's got COPD. Uh, I think he has cancer throughout his body. I don't think he even knows everything that he had, um, and he was just a highly needy individual. So, the, so I would go, and I would pick up medication. He had constantly had medication that he needed picked up, and he was like, he was such a needy individual. He needed clothes. He needed food. Uh, he just needed to be cared for constantly. It wasn't just me. It was like a team of us, like a crew of us, continually like, going. Like, I'd go see him one day, and Bobby would see him another. 
and he was just like, he was a card too. Like uh, one time Bobby took him to CVS and, and they're waiting for the medicine. They waited like a long time for the medicine. And I think Dave might have had like uh, maybe like colon cancer. He couldn't control his bowels. And so he would like, he would poop on himself. Um, and that's why we had to keep like cleaning up his room. Like his room would have a bunch of poop in it. Um, and he like, he pooped himself. And he got real angry. And I, I can't, I'm not going to quote exactly what he said to the pharmacist, but he came up there and he was like, he was like, I've been waiting in here so long, I crapped myself, and my friend had to buy me new pants. Like, Bobby had to buy scrubs there in CVS for him to change in. And he was just like a card. And he was difficult. He was very difficult. Um, I can imagine having to, like, clean up somebody else's poop. It was like, I didn't want to do it. Um, and that's why when Paul mentions this gift, he says, let me look again. He says, um, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness because that's what happens is you get not cheerful. I'm like pumped to help Dave at first and in the end I'm like, this is not cool cleaning up your crap, literally. Um, this is not like day after day. He's just like a needy individual, so needy. And he like had, so he had COPD, basically had lung cancer, but he still smoked. He like begged for money all day, cigarettes all day. And so I would like, he, he, he was in front of the Boyd Hotel and I would literally go around the block because... I didn't want to see him. I didn't feel like it that day because I knew I was going to have to do something for him. I knew I was going to have to spend a bunch of time talking with him, which sounds really selfish because it is. But that's what happens is if you have this gift, you're going to get drained because needy people stay needy. Um, and that's okay. Uh, so there are some people I work with now who I know like they're going through something tough and eventually they're going to get better, they're going to grow, and they're going to you know, spread their wings and fly. And Dave never did. Um, and that's going to be a way for many people who you're caring for. Uh, widows are probably always going to be widows. Orphans are going to be orphans for a long time. And so that's, that's a part of the game, is you don't expect these people to change. Um, Dave, Dave never did. He, uh, man, he was, man, I don't know if he was a Christian or not. He would say some crazy stuff. I would try and share the gospel with him, and he'd be like, yeah, Jesus is Lord. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. And he'd be like, yeah, Jesus is the only way. I'm like, yeah, that's right. He'd go, he'd go it's the blood of Jesus that covers our sins. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. And he'd go, angels can only come down 12 hours a day. And I'd go, what are you talking about, Dave? <laughs> what? Where did that come from? And he'd be like, I'm in the tribe of Levi. And I'm like, what? You know, and anyways, so but Dave... Um, a lot of people that I got to minister to in the tenderloin are dead. They're gone. Like, they, they die quickly. They're all ill. They're having a bad time. Dave actually died on the sidewalk where he would beg for cigarettes. He was like this little frail man, and he had a jacket on. And he, like, he would have, like, like I don't know, like a taxi as long. And he, like, curled up on the sidewalk and died in, like, downtown San Francisco, and no one knew. The reason someone found him was, like, an employee in the building walked out, saw a jacket on the ground, and tried to pick it up. And Dave was in it. He, like, curled up. Um, and I mean, he's a, he was an incredibly needy individual, um, and he was, he was at times very difficult to serve, but that is what we are called to. I spent way too much time on that gift. Um, next one, let's keep going. Um, leading, so, uh, the next gift is leading. Those who lead with zeal, um, so let me go ahead and say that leading, some of these are very broad, like leading. What does that mean? Because you could lead worship, you could lead kids' ministry, you could lead a Bible study. And so leading, um, leading can be many different things. Um, and many times you kind of either have it or you don't. You kind of feel that draw or you don't. Um, 
And leading is tough because people always judge you. People criticize your decisions. Um, that happens constantly. People blame you when things go wrong. To this day, people stub their toe and go, thanks, Obama. Like, they blame him. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he didn't have anything to do with it. But they, we blame our leaders. And so it's a very difficult spot. And there's either one or two things. Either, either they're totally wrong and they're negative, or actually they, they do have a legit complaint. Because many times we're in leadership and we shouldn't be. We run people over. We reject negative feedback. We reject criticism. And I would say that it's that way for most people who are called to lead. If you are in a position of leadership and you're receiving negative feedback and you're running people over, you probably are supposed to be in leadership, just not yet. Just not yet. Um, and you need to let Jesus work on you so that you lead from a place of humbleness as opposed to arrogance. Remember that command in the beginning of this section. You would be humble about this. Don't assume you're something that you're not. Uh, but many of you are already just naturally, you're probably already naturally gravitating to that, and you don't even think about it. It's that way probably for most of the gifts. As I speak about them, you're like, well, that is something I kind of do. And you'll just, you don't even realize that it is a gift. Um, and, and leading is one of those. Um, let me go, let me, let me keep going to the next one. Um, giving. Uh, giving is the next one. So um, let me read that verse. The one who contributes in generosity, so giving. Um, there are people who are, like God has gifted them with the ability to give away their money. Um, in San Francisco, I was with a group of friends who some of them got accused of like the poverty gospel, which is basically the opposite of the prosperity gospel, uh, where we thought we were supposed to be really poor. We were like... You know, we were eating donated food. We were living in cramped places. We didn't have, like, money at all. Um, and some of that is still with me. Like, I drive a truck that's older than most of you. Like, some of that's still with me. Um, and, but it was like, people were just, we were just like, we wanted that lifestyle. We wanted that poor lifestyle. And I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure I might have been wrong, thinking, like, everyone's supposed to be doing that. I'm not 100% sure. Not quite. Um, and so I remember going to, uh, a group of leaders from City Impact, we went to one of our donors' house, houses, and we, he wanted us to like stay the weekend there and treat us, and we got there, and it was like a small mansion. And me and Sean, another guy who, uh, who leads there, and who's very much like you know, a hippie and trying to give away all of his stuff, and he's like a poverty gospel guy, we both look at each other, and we're looking at like this place, and we're like, I don't know. But then we start having a great time, and, like, we're in this guy's, like, really nice pool, and then we look at each other, and we're like, I don't know. We're, like, judging him while we're in his pool. Um, I don't know. And so we got to talking with him, and we got to know him, and we got to hear his story, which is what we should have done before judging him and assuming things and assuming that we're right, uh, was that he gave away almost everything. He was a millionaire and his goal was to give away 90% and live off of 10. Reverse tithe. Most of us are given 10. He's given 90 and keeping 10, which was still a lot, but that was incredible. And I heard it, like, we started talking. It's like, evidently, he's just like, in the hundreds, the number of churches, hospitals, and schools he's built in, in third world countries. It's just like crazy. And then I found out from our, like, the director of City Impact, who told me, like, yeah, this guy will just float us sometimes. Because sometimes we didn't have enough money. Like, people wouldn't even get paid, and it was okay. And this guy would just write us a check. And he'd be like, you're good for the next three months. Like, you can pay your staff. And he would just float us. 
And it was then that I realized there are people who God has created to, give, to make money for the kingdom. There are people that God has created to give money to the kingdom. And some of you right now are going, stop the list. This is mine. This is it. You don't need to go through the rest of the list. This is it. I've got it. Um, and it could be true, probably just like maybe one of you. It could happen. By the way, don't forget about us when you get a job. GraceBibleChurch.com, Crosspoint Give Back. It's okay. You can do a one-time donation or $20 a month. Anyways, if you're the millionaire, one-time donation would be great. Um, anyways, but let me tell you a story. So that's something I discovered. But when I look at the Bible, there's a specific story where Jesus is at a service and some people are given money. He's, it's, there's some wealthy people. They're putting money in the offering box. And Jesus doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything good about him. He doesn't say anything bad about him. And then a widow walks up with two coins, two little coins. They're basically like pennies. And she puts them in the box and walks away. And Jesus says, there. She just gave everything. And we don't know that, but Jesus knows it. That those two pennies were everything she has. And Jesus loves it. Jesus really likes it. So when you are giving, it's about your heart. And today, we would call this woman reckless. This woman is financially irresponsible. She's given away the last of what she has. What's she going to eat? What's she going to do? She's given away the last of it. Today, we would call this woman financially irresponsible. And she is. She is financially irresponsible. And Jesus says, I like it. It's good. Because he sees her heart. He sees it. So... Some of you are supposed to be given, and you're not going to be a millionaire. It's probably going to be most of you. Anyways, so giving is, a, giving is a gift. Giving is a gift. Let's keep working our way through these. Fourth one, um, exhortation. So uh, Paul gets a little less descriptive in these next three. He says the one who exhorts in his exhortation. Like, okay, way to expound, Paul. Um, so exhortation, just so you know, is, is, uh, is encouraging because it's not a word we really use. It is simply encouraging, encouraging someone. Um, I feel like this is probably my gift more than anything, encouraging people. Um, I think it is anyways. And it doesn't just mean like in a positive manner. It can be a corrective encouragement that's done in a gentle tone. Uh, if you are someone who's praying with someone after the service, this might be your gift building someone up, uh, encouraging them, that is uh, an incredible gift. And it's like an everyday common gift. Uh, and more than anything for me, I just, when I don't walk in it, I feel bad because I know I hear like, oh man, I'm supposed to go walk alongside this person. I'm supposed to speak to them and I don't. And it's like, ah, oh, like that's it for me. I imagine that's it for most of you where you feel like a draw to something on this list and then you don't and you're we're fearful of it. But exhortation is to encourage in a nutshell, it is to encourage, to walk, come alongside someone, bear their burden with them, and encourage them. Um, let's, let's keep rolling. Teaching. Teaching is the next one, the fifth one. Um, I've actually got bad things to say about teaching. So I want to kind of pump the brakes on this um, because in our culture, in this room, that gift is probably the most popular where, like in the Corinthian church, like prophecy and tongues were the most popular, this gift is the most popular and lifted up uh, above everything. We are a podcast nation. We love teachers. 
people change their churches based on the teaching. You know, someone says, well, I wasn't feeling fed there. You know, it just means they didn't like what they were hearing. They wanted to go somewhere else where it was, it was better. It was based around teaching instead of serving, instead of the community that was there. It's based around teaching. And it is idolized, uh, I think, more than anything by American Christians. We love it. Even our pastors love it. Pastor, there are pastors today who preached, hoping that people would want to podcast it and it would go crazy. People go after that. We've idolized it and lifted it up. Um, and it's actually like on the bottom of the list. There's, I don't wanna, uh, in Ephesians, there's a list of offices, which is different necessarily than gifts. Um, and he ranks them. He says the, most, the greatest office is an apostle, and then it's a prophet, uh, and then it's an evangelist, and then it's a shepherd, which is someone who's basically kind of like an exhorter, uh, encourager, and then it's teaching. That's the last one. It's the last office. But we have lifted it up, and it's because we are a very academic society. You have spent most of your life in class, and it's a little bit like you're in it now. You're sitting, you're listening, you're, some of you are taking notes. It's like class. Our services, our church services revolve around it. There were, there were services this morning that were from only 11 to 12. A few minutes of announcement, a few minutes of, of worship, and then 45, 50 minutes of teaching. Our whole church service revolves around it, and I don't think it originally worked that way. We have lifted it up um, over everything. All right, now that I've bashed it, um, teaching is still an incredible thing, and it's an important thing. Um, and teaching is not just here. Teaching happens in your small groups. It happens uh, in kids' ministry. The gift of teaching is everywhere. And there are a lot of teachers here who are like actual teachers. Like you get paid, you're going to get paid to teach. Um, and my guess is that might be, that this very well might be your gift, spiritual <laughs> teaching. Um, and a lot of these gifts come down to, like you've already been given it, are you going to use it? And so some of you who are teachers, are you going to use it in a way that's spiritual in a way that, that furthers the kingdom. Um, one more thing I'm going to say about it. Some of you are called to ministry. You feel called to ministry, and a lot of times that automatically means in your head, like, okay, I'm supposed to be a preacher. Because that's what happens most of the time, where someone feels called, they go to seminary, they learn how to preach, and then they come here or there or wherever. Um, and really, you get called to ministry, and there's so much more than just teaching. If you asked any of the pastors here, this is like the last thing they do. Um, it just is. I had like so much to do this week, and then I prepared this like in like, you know, not long. I, didn't, I couldn't focus all of my time. I just, I don't have it. And it's that way for everyone. It's that way for Kyle. It's that way for Terrell. It's like I've got all this stuff to do, and there's so much more to it than teaching, just so you know. So if you're interested in ministry, there is so much to do that doesn't involve, that doesn't involve preaching or teaching at all. Um, it's still important. I know I bashed it. It's still important, though. Still important. Let's keep going. Um, all right, the next one is serving. Um, so this is so broad. This could encompass just about anything. You could serve um, at the kids' ministry. You could serve with Crosspoint. You could serve here. You could serve in the kitchen. There's a guy named Paul Hagler who's made every single one of your meals most of you have probably not met him. There are students who have come and gone, graduated, and they have no idea who Paul is. And he's using his gift of cooking. Um, if any of you have ever eaten a meal from, like, Terrell made, like, Terrell's gift is cooking and then teaching. Like, right after that, he's a good cook. 
Um, he could retire and be a chef. Um, and I want to say that this gift is using your God-given abilities pointed in a direction that is for the kingdom. For instance, there are a bunch of musicians up here who are very talented, and they are serving by now using their talents and abilities that God has given them for the kingdom to lead us in worship. That's serving. You know, and just like Paul, someone who can cook is now using their abilities to, to serve us. And that can go across the board. Joni Hagler is our administrator. Um, basically, that means she, like, she handles a lot of money because none of the pastors can. They're like, receipts? What? And we, we lose them. And she's on top of it. And so she has these skills that, that others don't, and she uses them for the kingdom. She serves is what she's doing. She's serving. That can encompass a lot of different stuff. All right. Last one in this list. It's the doozy one. It's prophecy. Um, let me figure out where I want to start. Yes. So prophecy is, um, is complicated. It's a couple of different things. First of all, uh, when Paul speaks about it, it's usually about building up the church. And the way he talks about it is a way that you and I have never seen. And I've never seen it either. Uh, in Corinthians, he talks about people like a prophet coming up and sharing a word from God, and then other prophets judging it, and we don't do that. You'll probably never see that, like a Sunday morning where Kyle hands the mic to someone, and they're like, I heard this from God, and then a prophet judges it. Um, like, that's not something that we do. And that's tends to be the, the, the manner in which he speaks. He's speaking about this. This happens in a church service, and it's kind of lost to us. Uh, we don't do it. Um, but God speaks to people and through people, and he speaks to build us up, and he speaks to correct. And sometimes he speaks about future events as well. Um, and this is, this is one of the most dangerous gifts, by the way. There's nothing dangerous about serving. The worst thing that could happen, you know, for you serving is you do it selfishly and you do it because you want to be noticed. Um, the worst thing that happens about prophecy is you ruin someone's life and you lie and say, like, this is from God, and then it's totally not. Um, so you have to be careful about it. Let me share a story with you um, the first time it ever happened to me. Um, and I've probably shared this with some of you before. You've heard it. Um, I was in San Francisco. I was at a worship. It was a worship night Wednesday, and... Uh, I was just worshiping, and then I hear from God. It was very weird. I hear from God that this guy, Travis in Nacogdoches, is supposed to move to San Francisco and spend the summer there. Um, I didn't really know Travis. We had hung out one time, and we knew each other through acquaintances. And because we hung out one time, that means we can be Facebook friends. And I hear from him, and it's just like so clear, like you're suppo he's supposed to be in San Francisco. And I wrestled, and I was like, I don't know this guy. I can't do this. Is this even real? Is this even right? And let me tell you something. Ashamedly, I didn't do anything. I spent like the next two weeks going, no, 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 it's too weird. No, 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 no I'm not going to do it. No, 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 it's too weird. And all the while, like, I could just feel like God being like, no, you're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be doing this. After two weeks, I cracked. And I sent Travis a, uh, a message on Facebook. And I said, hey, I know you don't really know me, and this is really weird, but I think God told me that you're supposed to be here in San Francisco, um, and you're supposed to be working here. And I said, I could be totally wrong, 
you pray through it. I have no idea. I just think I'm supposed to say that. And I left it. And then I get a reply. And he's like, well, actually, already I'm going to be serving in Ecuador. So, but I'll pray about it, okay? And don't worry, it's not weird. He was just saying that to be nice. <laughs> and, and then I get an email maybe like a week later. And he was like, hey, I prayed about it. And I'm not supposed to go to Ecuador. I'm supposed to go there. What do I need to do? And so we talked him through it. He talked to some of the directors, and he came. And he came, and he started serving with City Impact. Uh, he met his wife in California, there at City Impact. Um, he served with Adopt a Building there, one of the ministries there, and now he started an Adopt a Building in Nacogdoches. And I'm like, golly, like, that's incredible. Um, and none of it has to do with me. Like, I didn't ask for it. And in fact, I said no. It's like, to my shame, I said, no, I don't want to share this. Um, but God does that. God speaks to people. And that doesn't happen to me every day. It's not a common occurrence. But listen, God does speak. And the issue for me, and I'm guessing for some of you, is we don't listen. We don't listen. And when we hear, we say no. Um, let me tell you another story. Um, where I'm going to show you the, talk about the bad side of prophecy. Um, there was a group in the San Francisco area. Uh, I've decided not to tell you who they are, not to, not to give their name, because they're a very popular group, uh, very popular. And I think they mishandle prophecy incredibly. And they were around us a lot. And they would treat prophecy in a way that I consider highly inappropriate, um, almost like a game where I would see them, like, come and lay hands on someone and try and feel something out, and they would go, I'm getting, like, green. Are you, like, having money issues? Are you green with envy? Is it marijuana? And they would treat it like a, like almost, almost like a game. It's like a guessing game, like a cold read you would see, like a performer doing Las Vegas or something. Um, and I saw them do that, and I don't think it works that way at all. I think when God speaks, he speaks and it's clear. He doesn't play guessing games with people. He doesn't. You've either got a word from God himself or you have nothing. You have nothing. Um, I remember we, we host a big conference every year, and one year they came, and there were a lot of folks there doing that, trying to prophesy for other people. And this guy came up to me, and he was like, he was like, something big going on. And I'm like, what? He goes, there's, there's something big going on in your life coming up, huh? I'm like, maybe you tell me. He was just like, maybe there's something big. And just like walked away like this, and he was like, something big, huh? And I'm like, okay. Because he didn't have a word from God from me. He didn't. He didn't have one for me. I could walk up to every single one of you after the service and go, something big going on, huh? And it could be anything. It could be your test. It could be you're going to graduate. It could be you're going to get engaged. Who knows? Well, you got a job, whatever. Like something big in the future. Like that's for every single one of you. Uh, and it's the same. And so there is a right way and a wrong way to do this. Um, we sang earlier, you know, that we don't need to have fear. And that's absolutely true. And the thing that's holding us back from walking in some of these gifts is fear. But this is probably the, one of the few gifts that you should be fearful of. You should be very careful of. The punishment in the Old Testament for a prophet who spoke and it didn't come true was death. They killed people who said stuff and it didn't happen. That's not going to happen here. But you can really mess with someone's head. You could really ruin someone's life. You could tell someone, hey, I think you're supposed to drop out and you're supposed to go be a, a minister in, uh, you know, 
you know, China or something like that. And it's like, you know, that sounds good. Like, they're supposed to be in China, but they're supposed to drop out right now. Like, how do you know that? And you know what? What I just said could be totally true for someone. Um, the issue is that you always need to take it as a grain, with a grain of salt, to use the, the phrase. You need to take it and be careful and be very prayerful over it, over it. No one in here can say, this is from God and you have to do it. No one can. Uh, and it is so dangerous to do that. You need to be very careful if you're going to practice that gift. Um, it's a great gift. Paul says in Corinthians that he wished everyone there prophesied. It's a great gift to hear from God and speak and to encourage or correct, but it can be very dangerous, uh, wielded with the wrong, wrong power, wrong intent. And I feel like even when it's done wrongly, it's still with a good intent. Like you want to be encouraging, you want to hear something from God, but you need to check yourself and be very careful. Be very careful. Um, that being said, you should still pursue it. Um, all right, that's, that's the, I ran through all those gifts. We're going to spend some time praying. Um, we've been doing, we've done this a few times already. You're going to get together in groups of two or three and pray together. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, um, you'll speak together for a few minutes, but you also need to pray. And you need to talk about what you think your gifts might be. And, uh, and try and walk through that together. Many times, like, we have a gift and we don't even realize it, and even your friend might see it and know, like, he know, like your friend knows that you're great at serving, and to you it's just, like, natural and you don't even realize it. You know, Paul Hagler doesn't even think anything of being here every single week and making our food. He doesn't think anything of it. It's just like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Um, he may not, wouldn't even consider it a gift. He's just like, this is, this is my thing. Um, so pray through that. Pray through that. Try and discern that. The second thing I want you to do is to pray for opportunities. If your gift is serving, if your gift is encouraging and building someone up, you need to pursue an opportunity to do that. And I mean like tonight. I mean like this week. You need to use those. Ask God, say, hey, provide this opportunity for me. Let me walk in this gift that you've given me. And so those are the two things that you need to pursue.